A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Thus says the Lord to his anointed Cyrus, whose right hand I grasp, subduing nations before him and making kings run in his service, opening doors before him and leaving the gates unborn. For the sake of Jacob, my servant of Israel, my chosen one, I have called you by your name, giving you a title, though you know me not. I am the Lord, and there is no other. There is no God besides me. It is I who arm you, though you know me not, so that toward the rising of the setting of the sun, people may know that there is none besides me. I am the Lord. There is no other. The word of the Lord. to the Lord, all you lands. Tell his glory among the nations, among all peoples, his wondrous deeds. Give, Give the, the Lord, Lord glory and honor. For great is the Lord and highly to be praised. Awesome is he beyond all gods. For all the gods of the nations are things of naught but the Lord made the heavens. Give the Lord glory and honor. Give to the Lord, you families of nations. Give to the Lord glory and praise. Give to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring gifts and enter his courts. Give the Lord glory and honor. Worship the Lord in holy attire. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord is king. He governs the people with equity. Give the Lord glory and honor. A reading from the beginning of the first letter of St. Paul to the Thessalonians. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the Church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, remembering you in our prayers, unceasingly calling to mind your work of faith and labor of love and endurance in hope of our Lord Jesus Christ. Before our God and Father, knowing brothers and sisters loved by God, how you were chosen. For our gospel did not come to you in word alone, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit with much conviction. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Alleluia, Alleluia. Shine like lights in the world as you hold on to the word of life. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Alleluia, Alleluia. Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. The Pharisees went off and plotted how they might entrap Jesus in speech. They sent their disciples to him with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are a truthful man and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth, and you are not concerned with anyone's opinion, for you do not regard a person's status. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it lawful to pay the census tax to Caesar or not? Knowing their malice, Jesus said, Why are you testing me, you hypocrites? Show me the coin that pays the census tax. Then they handed him the Roman coin. He said to them, Whose image is this? And whose inscription? They replied, Caesar's. At that he said to them, Then repay to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and to God what belongs to God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord Jesus Christ. I am the Lord, and there is no other. There is no God besides me. These words spoken by the prophet Isaiah on behalf of God to King Cyrus, who was at the known, in the known world of that time the most powerful and dominant person regarding uh, governance and earthly power, militarily occupying lands and so forth, we are being reminded that inasmuch as there is the governance of humanity, human, human rules, there's also God's governance and God's rules. And inasmuch as we see so much injustice, so much duplicity, or as we hear Jesus in the gospel today, because as he is nearing the destination of Jerusalem, where he will fulfill the purpose for which he was sent to consummate the entire mission of salvation, which is always universal in scope. This is another thing that we should pick up on from this prophet uh, Isaiah's writing today, the 45th chapter, that the plan of salvation is not exclusively the Jews, 
They are the vehicle, they were a vehicle, a people chosen by God to spread this gift to the entire world. But God has always been concerned with the whole of his creation, especially human beings created to his image and likeness. And so in a very amazing way, the greatest benefactor to the plan of God, but especially as it pertains to bringing his people back from the time of exile. They had suffered many years in exile under Babylonian captivity, but Cyrus, the king of Persia, rose up and defeated the Babylonians, and God gave a beneficence to the heart of Cyrus. He inspired a beneficence to him to do what? To offer them repatriation so that they could go back giving them the resources, everything that they would need to restore the temple and all that they were accustomed to prior to Babylonian exile and captivity. Wonder of wonders. A pagan king. No knowledge of God whatsoever, and yet we are being reminded that God orders all things for the good, particularly as it pertains to his plans and purposes unknowingly, unknowingly, all of this creation is working through God's providence for his plans to come about. That should grant us solace in a time in which, like, not unlike other generations, where we see the world in a mess, the chaos of politics has always been that way throughout history, and yet Jesus, in responding to this question, an insidious question, they try to even try to butter him up. We know you are a truthful teacher. You don't uh, regard anybody's status. You always speak the truth regardless of one status or this or that. So tell us now, is it lawful to pay the temple tax, to pay census, the census tax to Caesar or not? They want a yes or no response from Jesus. But Jesus, knowing we're told their malice, and again realizing that time is short, and not and still yet, he never ever humiliates them. He never tries to force them to, to uh, exercise their free will to what he wants, but he presents them with a reality. And based on the principle, if somebody's image and likeness is on something, then that indicates externally that person's possession. It's rightfully theirs. It's like when you have the people would graze their cattle out on the fields. They would brand the animals, and that showed ownership. So if the cattle would weir, well, stray away or something like that, or if it was stolen, there could always be the proof. The brand is there. This person has stolen my cattle, or what have you. So it's on this principle that Jesus says, present me with a coin, please. Whose image, whose likeness, and what inscription is on the coin? And they say, Caesar, render unto Caesar then what belongs to Caesar, give to God what belongs to God. Absolutely masterful, ingenious. Even if we go to the, if you read the very next verse, and I, don't, I wish they would have included it in, the, in our section of the gospel, you read the very next verse, they marveled, they were amazed at his response as they went away. Amazed at how he took their 
plan to try and trip him up, how Jesus puts everything in proper perspective. Those coins have his likeness, then he rightfully should have them, give them back to him. But as to what pertains to God, human beings primarily created this image and likeness, give to God your entire life, your whole heart, your whole mind, your whole soul. Everything about you belongs to God. This has to be our focus. This is the way in which you and I are able to strive after the reality of the plan of God, the work of God. When we strive to live in the light of the commandments of God, not so much out of uh, obedience or, I'd say, uh, uh, out of obligation, but out of desire. When we are able to, to live our lives in the manner that God says it's possible for us, in a way that Jesus says, love one another as I love you, then we mirror, we image for the world. Our thoughts, our words, our actions manifest the one true and living God, the only true and living God. Every other God, no matter how, how it goes, because on the inscription of the coin, and we know because they have coins that have survived from the time of Jesus, those Roman coins, it has Caesar, the son of the divine Caesar Augustus or whatever, so they had declared themselves divine. So therein, and it wasn't uncommon that the other pagan nations of the world would look at their leaders as being divine deities. Well, they can think of that as they will, and they can relate to them as they will, but in reality, in the Greek, it actually refers to them as demons. They were actually worshiping and offering sacrifices to demons. You read this in the, in the letters of St. Paul. He is very clear about this. And so let us take heart in hearing this word of God today and to know that no matter how things seemingly are playing out, God in his masterful and mysterious ways is guiding the whole of creation. Your life and my life is being governed by God. He's allowing us to act in a manner that will be in compliance with his purpose and his plan. Romans 8, 28, all things shall work together for the good of those who love the Lord and who have been called according to his purpose and his plan. And so if there's anything we can take away from the word of God today, what is the practical application? Well, as we hear from the beginning of the first letter of St. Paul to the Thessalonians, how is it that we are to render unto God what belongs to God and to the world what belongs to the world? Listen to how St. Paul expresses his gratitude, his thanksgiving. We give thanks to God always for all of you, remembering you in our prayers, unceasingly calling to mind your work of faith and labor of love and endurance in hope of our Lord Jesus Christ before our God and Father, knowing, brothers and sisters, loved by God, how you were chosen. We were chosen. You and I were created to glorify the living God. Even those who don't have any knowledge of God whatsoever, either willingly rejecting or just in ignorance of the truth, God's mysterious plans, his ways are pervading. He is sovereign. 
We have peace in our hearts today, hopefully, in light of this. And sometimes we seem so powerless. We wonder about the things in the world, and we, we pray, and we pray. You know, St. Teresa of Avila, a giant, a master of prayer, of teaching of prayers, she herself says, the act of prayer, just prayer in itself, is an act of love. The act of prayer itself is an act of pure love love. And we know that in the end, three things remain. Faith, hope, and love. A love which, minds you, endures all things, hopes all things. It realizes all things because love never fails. Jesus did not fail in his mission. He's speaking forthrightly to these Herodians and Pharisees. And that just goes to show you how bad things have become for them to eliminate Jesus from the scene. Herodians and Pharisees were absolute enemies to one another. One supported the Romans to receive taxation, the Herodians supporting the puppet king of Herod. The Pharisees couldn't stand that. However, you know the saying, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So they unite themselves to try and get rid of Jesus. And what happens? The very trap that they lay springs out on their own. They're caught in their own ruse, and they have to walk away, amazed. But hopefully that amazement turns into repentance and fidelity of the way, the truth, and the life that God has manifested for one and all to come to salvation. God love you.